Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join us this week as we start part one of a series on heaven. Don't miss this exciting series over the next couple of weeks where we'll learn where our hope really should lie. It's not in this world, but in what God has prepared for those who love Him, heaven. It's pretty amazing. We've got people who are connected to our church who call this home um, that are in, in different parts of California. And now in different parts of the world, we have you know, Brian Taylor and the missionaries we support, but Brian Taylor who listens to the word, the messages online, who is another man um, who lives in China. And uh, he's, he's been connected, he's been a good friend, and, and he uh, moved back to China to do some uh, work there. He actually works for a very large company as a translator. And so each week he tunes in and listens because this is his church, and he's looking for a, st- he's looking for a church and may have found one. Um, and that's Giovanni. Giovanni. And so, you know, we've got part of our congregation all over the world. It's pretty exciting to me. And, uh, and so pray for, pray for them. But, uh, so we want to get these messages recorded for those that are listening. Hey, we are continuing in our study of the book of John. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a subject that's come up in chapter 11. We already went through chapter 11 a few weeks ago. Chapter 11 was Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so though I, we preached on that a few weeks ago, I really wanted to go back and talk about that very verse, John 11, verse 25. John eleven twenty five is where Jesus is, is having his conversation with Mary and Martha. Martha is very sad because of her brother Lazarus is dead. He's been dead four days. We even talked about that a few weeks ago. If you want to go back and listen to that. But there was a reason that, that Jesus even waited to the fourth day to really prove that he was the Messiah, that he was God himself. And so he's having this conversation. And, and Martha's doing Something that I think we all do when we're, when we're dealing with God and, and asking for something to be done. We, we, basically, she's saying that I should turn off myself, unless that was Matthew's. Matthew's is right up on the front row here. He's, not, he's afraid to come and get it now. Good time to turn off your cell phone. Amen. Otherwise, it'll just whistle to us all day. So Martha was talking to Jesus and Jesus says, your brother will live. And Martha says, you know, I know. I know that he'll live in the resurrection. And they were looking forward. She was looking forward to the end and the final resurrection of the dead. And, and she had faith that her brother Lazarus would live again one day. And Jesus says, John eleven twenty five says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? We only know what, what's written down here. And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Does she really believe that Lazarus is going to live? I don't know. I don't know. She believes in Jesus. She believes in the resurrection. But is she really having faith in the moment that Lazarus is going to live? I'm not sure. But I know me. And I imagine that some of you have gone through the times where you might have said, you know, Jesus, I know that you answer prayer and that you heal sickness, but I'm just not sure if you're going to do it this time. Right? I mean, we go through this. It's that moment of doubt, of, of our testing of our faith, that we, we haven't lost faith in God, but we just don't know if he's going to do anything in our situation. And that's what we find right here. And Jesus makes this 
amazing statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And this holds so much more meaning than just that Lazarus is going to live. And that's wonderful. We, we, we know the story, and it's amazing. You know, Mary comes out, and, and Jesus is so moved, and we find that, you know, he's weeping over the troubled hearts of his, of his friends, and then Lazarus lives, and it's a great verse. And we think, wow, he is the resurrection of life, and he brings to life. But there's, there's more in this statement, a lot more. And we're not going to get real deep into that. But one, what are the implications of that statement? One is that Jesus is now resurrection in life. He's not far off. You know, Martha was saying, he's going to live someday. He's going to live someday. But Jesus is, is telling her, no, resurrection life is today, right now. And he, and he goes and says, and it doesn't matter if you die on this earth, you're going to live if you believe in me. So he, he's, he's not keeping himself just to saying, I'm going to bring Lazarus to life. He is saying, I am life. I am resurrection. And in me, people live. They live. Even if they die, they live. And, and that's really confusing. It can be really confusing. Even if I die, I live. But we're, we're 2,000 years later, and we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And some of the commentaries and things I w- I've been reading over this text, it brought up a, a way of, of speaking about this resurrection of Lazarus compared to the resurrection of Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, a number of people were brought back to life. In the New Testament, a number of people were brought back to life, but they all died again. And so, so one of the commentaries I was saying is, so really those were resuscitations. You know, they weren't quite resurrections. They were just brought back to life, you know. I mean, just, just as if somebody died, we'd get the paramedic, you know, Sean in the front row, and he could bring them back. He could resuscitate them to, to, to live again, but they're going to die. See, everyone who was brought back to life except Jesus was resuscitated so to speak. Jesus was resurrected. He never died again. And, and this is what he's saying, that, that though these, these physical bodies that we have are going to stop working, they're just, and they're already slowing down, amen? They're slowing down. They're going to one day completely stop working. You are never going to die if you're in Christ because Jesus is the resurrection. And when we're in him, we live forever. And it's like, wow, Jesus. So he who believes in me will never die. And when we die, there's another implication, we will live immediately. We don't have to wait. And and we don't have to wait. When we die, and in this message this morning, we're going to get into this. When we die, we don't fall asleep and wait for something. I believe the Bible is pretty clear that when we die, we are with Christ immediately. There's no waiting. And what a hope. What a glorious thought. And I know there's different, different uh, theologies. There's different beliefs. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, you might even have a strong sense of the purgatory idea. That when you die, you know, you go to, you know, those that were in maybe limbo, you go to purgatory. And, and that's such a sad, false doctrine. Because how do you get out of purgatory? For all you Catholics, what, what do you have to do to get somebody out of purgatory? You had to pray for them. Some of you even know and remember the time that you had to give gifts. Give, yeah, give gifts to the church to basically buy them out of purgatory. That's the doctrine of purgatory. That Indulgences, that's exactly it. Where's grace? Where's salvation by 
faith and grace and not by works. See, purgatory was, is not a, a, a biblical doctrine. They got it from some other places and they, and they put it in there. And, and this idea of soul sleep, I believe that it's very clear. When we die, Jesus is the resurrection. We will never stop. We take our last breath here. And our next conscious moment, we're in the presence of God. If, if, if you're saved. And we're going to talk a little, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of these different thoughts and ideas of heaven. So this statement that Jesus make, makes declares the, the thing that, that we say a lot. It says that the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. That means that his kingdom, life in him starts today. We don't wait for it. Thank God. We don't just have to say, okay, I believe in you, and someday I'll die and go to heaven, but meanwhile, I'm on my own. And there's a lot of people who believe that, uh, and, and that, that theists really believe that, that God created everything, but he's just kind of waiting back and letting people do their thing. Well, that's not deists. That, that's not what we are. We don't believe that God created us, and he, and he takes his hand. He created us, and in Christ, we immediately, when we come to Christ, we enter into a new kingdom. And it's really difficult because we're kingdoms of this world. We're in the kingdom of the world, and yet we're in the kingdom of God. And, and we're always in this, this battle. And you recognize it because you feel like Paul. You feel like Paul. You say, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do do. Can you say do do in church? You know, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? We're always struggling back and forth. And we go, what's because we're not fully there, the kingdom of God is now, but it's not fully yet. It's waiting, and it's going to be more glorious. It's, it's so much, there's still things waiting, and yet we walk in the power of God. We walk in his resurrection power. He says that we would lay hands on the sick, and they would recover. So the things of the kingdom of God are here, and yet not yet. There's more. And this is amazing, because we're living here in a in a, in a beautiful world, some might say, you know, wow, some of you might be, you know, there's probably two responses to that the kingdom of God is now and yet, not yet. And, and, and understanding that, that this kingdom of God is something that we're living in. You go, wow, it's amazing that there's more to come because we live in such an amazing world. In, in, in Big Bear, especially, I mean, right, you get to see it. You know, we, we drove up and went through Skyline and walked around over the weekend and it's just gorgeous, and, and the nature, and you can see the, the, the hand of God in nature. And then you, you might say, you know, and I've got so many good friends that love the Lord, and, and I love to be in fellowship, and you say, wow, I can't believe that there's more because I feel so blessed already by God having fellowship with his people, being forgiven of sin. But then there's some of you today who might say, thank God that there's more than this place. You, know, you might go, thank God for that. Because if this is all there is, I want a new deal. You don't have to raise your hand and agree with that. But, or, and, and maybe you've been at both places in your life where you said, if this is all there is, then, then I want a new deal. There, this isn't enough. And that's kind of how it is. It, it, we're, we're in this kingdom and we have the kingdom of God. And at times it's like, wow, I'm, I'm so blessed. And then other times we're like, God, take me home. I can't wait to get out of here. And, and this brings us to, 
to a trap that, that I think is really from the enemy of our souls. And there is an enemy. He, he absolutely hates you. And this, is, this might be a new shock. He doesn't just hate you because you're a believer, because you're a Christian. He hates every human being because they're made in the image of God. Now, he just treats them differently because he's bringing them to destruction. Just like those animals. In fact, coyotes, coyotes are doing this. I didn't know that, but we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about coyotes in the last few years. We're just having a conversation, I think this week, with somebody about how coyotes, they will come and they will play with your dog. And they'll come out from behind a tree and they'll be all frisky and they'll, and they'll run around and they'll, they'll get your dog to play with you, with them. And in fact, there, there was a guy I knew, he, he was up here, well, and it, it happened a few times, one recently, and a coyote was behind a tree and it ran out and was trying to play with his dog. Well, he had a pretty good sized dog, so he wasn't worried about it. And, the, and, but, and he says, wow, this coyote's playing with my dog. It's kind of cool. And the coyote would run behind the tree and then run out the other side of the tree. And then he was just barking and playing. I thought, and he got, wow, I guess they can live in peace, right? You know? And so he started watching, and he goes, there's something wrong with this. So we walked off to the side a little ways away. And while one of the, the coyote was out in front, he noticed there was another coyote behind the bush. It wasn't one coyote. It was two. His assumption is that there were more. And they were trying to play with the dog and to lure it off. And the dog would say, oh, let's go play. And just out of sight, we know what was going to happen. That's kind of what the enemy does for people. You know, some people go, oh, man, I just, they don't, there's no devil. I mean, I don't ever feel like I'm being attacked. No, you're being lured away. He's playing with you because he hates you. So we have to recognize those things that, that the enemy does hate us and 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 there's a trap that the enemy has gotten our world and especially our nation or the the developed nation the western world into and it's to get us to not think about the kingdom of god specifically heaven and this morning we're going to start a, our sub series that we're going to start this morning we're going to do a few weeks i'm not sure how long we're going to go in and talk about heaven and we don't hear a lot about heaven. Even in, in, uh, in some pastoral classes and things, they, they don't go deeply into the subject of heaven. I've, I've met pastors who, who don't like to talk about heaven. And I, I heard of a, a pastor recently who's in a conversation. He goes, you know, I, I just think heaven's going to be a bummer. He says, just nothing to do up there all the time and I mean, and this, this was a pastor. I'm not sure what kind of church he pastored and where his degree came, came from. He says, you know, just sitting around and singing. I mean, he just had a horrible view of what heaven was going to be like. You know, some like the pictures, you know, little fat cherub sitting on a cloud playing the harp. But isn't it true, or is it true that maybe you've got some ideas that like, man, what's heaven going to be like? I mean, I hear about it in church and, and I'll, and I'll guarantee you, some of you, and, and I've heard this, that church is going to be like a big eternal worship service. And some of you might say, I, I don't know if I want to do that. And really, but honest. You go, I just, you know, 30 minutes is more than enough for me. <laughs> Take out one of the songs and we'd be better off. And to go and do this forever. 
Is that what heaven's going to be? Is an eternal worship service? I don't think we, we, we have a good understanding. And so we don't, I don't hear heaven being talked about. Now, it has come back up recently because of the book, which is now the movie, and I haven't seen it. So I'm not gonna talk, this message has nothing to do with the book at all. But, but in fact, in, in God putting this on my heart, it wasn't until this morning that I remembered that that was a book and a movie that was out. I mean, it just wasn't even on my personal radar. Heaven is for real. And some of you have read that and watched the. I don't know if the movie's out yet. But we don't hear a lot about heaven. We don't talk a lot about heaven anymore. Think about that in the church. We're not, in fact, the songs we used to sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. We don't have a lot of songs about heaven. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. We were looking, the church was looking to heaven. And today, it's been slow, but, but the process, and, and I found myself in it. The process has is, is taken us away from eternity to God wants you to have your best life now. You know, God wants to do everything is about now. And, we're, and, and heaven's barely on our radar. We're Christians filled with the Spirit, bought by the blood of Jesus. The hope and the promise is that when we die, we go to heaven, and yet we spend the majority of our thoughts and cares and concerns about here. It's interesting. And that's just in the church. When you get outside of the church, the trap of the enemy is so strong to be all about self. Attaining more. What can you do with Instant gratification. That's one of the reasons we don't talk about heaven is everything's about today. People used to save and, and work and then maybe they would own a house and maybe they could even have something extra. Today in my generation, people run out in their 20s and they buy a motorhome. And they buy these things. And they don't have the money for it. Thank God for Visa and MasterCard. We put it on credit. Why? Because we want it now. The enemy's put something on to us all about, look here, today, feel better, do this, gain this. And even as the church, it's come in and so that we forget to think about what heaven is and what's waiting for us. So this morning, over the next few weeks, we want to we help to remember what this world is all about. It's about helping people to know Jesus and then spending eternity with our Father, with our Creator, and getting our eyes off of this world, as the Bible says, and onto the things above. And we're going to hit some scriptures, of course, this morning in this. And so, so in this time where the enemy has come in and we're, we're just, we want everything now, it's all about self. And, in fact, there's a, there's a great word. Yell out if you know what this is. It's a selfie. Right? Can we get more into ourselves? I was so much. And, and, you know, I was with, with my nephews last night, and they were taught, they're doing this. There's, a, there's always something new Facebook and MySpace. My, started with MySpace, I think, really, and Facebook and all these 
Well, there's one called Snapchat, where you just send, I, I'm not even sure what it is, but some of you are giggling, so you know. But I guess it's real quick. You send something, it goes real fast, and it disappears from your whatever, your pro- profile thing. And they were showing me some people, and, and these little messages that they sent. They said, well, look at this person. 400. Oh, that's not too bad. 4,000. 10,000. 100,000 Snapchats. And most of them probably were about what I'm doing right now. We are so obsessed with ourselves. You know, you're all going to run home and you're going to clean up your Facebooks. I know it. You're going to go through there and say, man, I got to get rid of some of these selfies. It's about now. It's about me. It's, it's, it's all these things that we've just fallen right into the, the trap of the enemy. The only thing, you know, we want it all right now. The only thing we want to defer till later is the payments. We even go in and we go, hey, if I buy this computer that I can't afford today, can you defer the payments out for another year? I won't be able to pay for it then either, but then I'll just have more time to think about how to defer it another year. So we live in this society, we live in this time, and, and, and it just is, is hard to get out of it. find myself in Mexico... It, you know, I, I didn't have my cell phone service. It was fine. It was, it was great. I actually really enjoyed it. Find yourself talking to people, enjoying the presence of believers, not consumed with all the stuff that we're consumed with. You, you could get outside of it and you go, wow, we, you know, we've just, it's, it's been a, well, it was slow for a while and now it's just, it's gained up enough momentum. It's just like a tidal wave that just sweeps us along with it. And, and I don't, I'm not even sure how to get out. And I don't want to talk, spend a lot of energy, but, but so what has this, this uh, tidal wave done to us? Well, a lot of things, but one of the things is it's got our minds off of heaven and back onto the things of the earth. How can I do, have more, do better, be better? And so in that, I believe the theology of heaven has gotten gone askew too. We don't even have a good understanding of what heaven is. And so I've been spending a lot of time going, even myself going, do I, I don't understand it. Not really. You know, and so, so going in and really going, Lord, help me to understand. So over the next few weeks, I'm hoping to answer some questions like, what's heaven like? Where is heaven? Where do we go when we die? When will Christ return? That, that silly one, but it, 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 will we sit on a cloud and play a harp? I know that we laugh about that, but, but I don't know if that's very far off from some of our thoughts. Is heaven just one big worship service? Are we just going to be in one place forever? You know, in our mansion? Just come to the door, and then Jesus comes and knocks on the door, and we open up, we just, this, this is our, our forever home? Will we be bored in heaven? I remember the track. That was in the 80s. There was a track called, Will We Be Bored in Heaven? Helping us to understand that was, it was, this has already been, been out there. Man, what's, I don't know. It's going to be kind of weird. Well, we have bodies in heaven. I hope I get a new one. And the Bible says, you know, do we know what the Bible says? Well, some of it, I think we piece it together. and We say, well, I've heard some. Yeah, we do. Actually, we've got a glorified body. 
and glorified body. And over the few weeks, we're going to lay not just uh, what we believe, but we're going to find out what the Bible says so we can bring our beliefs and connect it with the Bible rather than just having opinions. We, much of our Christian life, or I shouldn't say much, but part of our Christian life, I've, I've noticed it in me and I've heard it in conversations with others, is based on, well, I can't imagine that God would do that, so therefore he would probably be like this. Can you relate with that? Why are we imagining what God is like? Let's find out. And let's find out what he says and build a good understanding of, of the things that we can. And one of them, I think, is going to be heaven because, because of the whole implication of what heaven is. And so in John eleven twenty five, 25, when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection life, it's saying so much. The resurrection of the dead, it's not distant. It's not outside waiting for us. It's found in the person of Jesus. And that when we die from this place, we immediately enter into eternal life. In fact, it already started because we'll never die. And so, so in John eleven twenty five, 25, we find one of the five I am statements in the book of John that he's, he's helping us to understand who he is, who Jesus is. He was the bread of life in chapter 6. He was the light of the world in chapter 8. He was the gate in chapter 10. He's the good shepherd also in chapter 10. And in chapter 11, we find out that he's the resurrection and the life. And there's two more that we're going to find in, 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 the, yes, in the weeks to come, that he is the way, the truth, and life, and he is the vine. So Jesus is resurrection and life. We don't earn it. We don't earn it today. We don't have to, to do anything more to get to heaven and to have eternal life. Jesus is resurrection. If we are in him, we will never die. You can't find it on your own. It's in Jesus. And there are people who are still just trying to live a good enough life. Just, just trying to do good enough. And it's not about being good enough. It's only in Jesus. Now, eternal life is not waiting for everybody. But eternal existence is. Did you know everyone's going to exist eternally? You know, we could say you could call it life, but it's not going to be life. Life usually has life to it. You know, sometimes even maybe you've used that in your terminology. Man, I don't feel like I'm living I'm just existing, right? We know the difference between life and existence. Everyone exists forever. But only those that are in Jesus live forever. Revelation 20 and chapter 21 both make it very simple that only those whose names are written in the book of life go on and live forever with Jesus. The rest are cast into the lake of fire. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about hell and the understanding of actually what that is. Do you know that as far as I understand right now, nobody is in hell today? Hell is, hell is actually the lake of fire, Gehenna, and it was used for that. We, we, we understand hell in a lot of ways, but there's actually a, a, an in, in, interim place that, that people are until the final judgment, and that's when they get cast into the lake of fire. And we think of heaven as one place, that when we die, we go to heaven. Well, we don't know exactly where it is that we go when we die. But when we die, we're with Jesus. But it's not the place that we're going to be forever. It's like a, an, an intermediate place. And the Bible is very clear that when we die, to, to, Paul said it, 
You know, I, I would rather depart from the body and to be with Christ. To, to, to die is to gain. He knew, the doctor was very clear that when we die, when we stop from this place that we're with Christ, but it's not in that final resting place. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about, well, where are those and what are they and what do they look like? And, well, what is the final resting place? And do we understand when we talk about scriptures that talk about the new heaven and the new earth? I think that if I were to say, you know, we're going to live on a paradise and it's earth, that some of you would think, did Pastor Rob turn into a Jehovah's Witness? The Bible says that we're going to be on earth living with Jesus, ruling and reigning for a thousand years. And then after that thousand years, he creates a new heaven and a new earth. And the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven and takes it. And the Bible says that God takes his dwelling place with man on the new earth. And right there, most of us are probably going, huh? What heaven? So we're going to go into the scriptures that talk about this. And how it it talks about the glory of this next life, this next parts of our life that we will be with Christ, that we'll rule and reign with him. We'll we'll talk a little bit about the the, the second coming of Christ and the timeline. And, of course, there's going to be some debate on the timeline. I'm not going to get into, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, pre-millennial, amillennial, you know, dispensational theologies and all those things that, you know, there's just so many out there, but we're going to lay a a base, a biblical foundation for, wow, I really had no idea. That's kind of what I'm coming with even going, you know, I just, we just don't really understand. But so, so why is this important? It is important because we, we need to have a good understanding of the things of God so that we can help other people understand the things of God. We have to have a good understanding of the, the precepts of the Bible and the things that, that God has written to us so that we don't just make up what we want to on certain things because if we make up a little bit here about heaven, well, what will we make up here about? And we'll find ourselves just coming up with our own ideas. And that could be dangerous to us and it could be dangerous to those that, that we love. And, and so we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to... We want to understand, have a better understanding of, of the hereafter, right? You know, that's what some people call it the hereafter. And that's more than some of you when you walk into a room and you go, what was I hereafter? <laughs> but a real understanding of what is waiting for us. What's waiting for us? What is this? So we're going to go into this, this topic for a few weeks in eternity and, and some of you might say, well, why? All I need to know that it's good. And I want to confess something. I was one of these, and I shared this with the youth group, maybe, and, and so I may have done it here. I was one of the Christians. And I want you to hear me because I have found since I've been bold enough and brave enough to confess this, I've found that I was not alone. Surprisingly not alone. When I became a Christian, I was young. I had a very, I was eight years old. I, I, I could only understand what an eight-year-old could. But I knew that in Jesus that there was going to be a judgment and that we'd go to, to live forever in heaven. And that was about it. And that, you know, you can't tell an eight-year-old too much more than that. They can't handle it. So I used to have dreams. And it was on, when I lived on Pine Knot. In fact, our, our neighbor from Pine Knot's there. And... I would lay awake at night, terrified, 
that Jesus was coming back. In fact, I had this picture. I, I, it was, it, this is a new theology, I guess. When Jesus returns, he's setting up in the, in the vacant field next to my house in Pine Knot because that's where the line of the judgment was. It was in my backyard, and the line was huge. And I was afraid of going to heaven because I thought, what am I going to do forever? You know, by 9 and 10 years old, I knew that I was bored at the end of summer vacation. I actually wanted to go back to school to be with my friends. And I went forever in heaven. Now, here's the really hard and sad part about that. It didn't stop until I was in my mid-20s. I was afraid to go to heaven until I was in my mid-20s. I was already in ministry, but I didn't get it. So finally, and it's, it's, it's a beginning step. Finally, I felt like God ministered to me, and he said, you know, am I good? Yeah, God, you're good. He says, then why would I bring you to a place that wasn't going to be good? Don't worry about it too much. Just know that it's good, really, really, really good. And so then I've, I, I spent a lot of years just going, hey, it's good. I don't know if I need any more than that. It's good. And that's a great place to start. And, and there's going to always be a part of me that I can't understand fully what God has in store. In fact, we use the scripture, I has not seen. Sorry, I has not seen, yours not here. We've got to do it for the recording. And we stop and see, see, God doesn't even want us to know what he has because it says that in the Bible. And we stop, right? I hasn't seen, ears and heard. It's not entered into the heart of man. What God has in store for those who love him. And we stop and he says, no, but the rest of the verse says, but he's revealed it into our hearts. So he actually wants us to know that heaven is glorious. And he gave us a lot of information in the Bible that if we, Take the time, and that's what we'll do over the few weeks, talking about it, that we can see that, that we don't just know it's good, but we can see a little bit of what it looks like and, and, and the glory of it in our glorified bodies and have a, have a good understanding ourselves that could also then help others. So we don't want to just stay in this place that says all I need to know is that God is good and heaven's going to be good. And so some of us might even say, well, I just don't like to think about it too much. But see, here comes that serious problem. Because when we don't spend time thinking about heaven, we spend time thinking about earth. And what happens when we start thinking about earth too much? Bigger car, bigger house, more, 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 bye, bye, bye. And we're back here. And our minds and hearts need to be set on the things above. Colossians 3 since then, chapter, chapter 3, verses 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The Bible talks so much about having a hope. You know, when the Bible, so many times, not every time, but so many times in the New Testament, especially when it talks about our hope, Think about some of the scriptures. Oh, our hope, our hope, our hope. What do you think they're talking about? Heaven. This is not our, our home, at least not the way it's supposed to be. Heaven is our hope. 
Heaven is our home. And even that word is difficult to say because do we even understand the heavens and, and eternal life? But eternal life being in the presence of God. And for now, when we say heaven, let's just understand that to be in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Because we will spend a lot of time on, on earth with Christ in the presence of God, but it won't be heaven, it'll be earth in the millennial reign. And that's, the, again, we're gonna, I, I'm excited about this. You don't have to be excited. I hope you show up because it encourages me to keep talking. But I'm really excited about grow, going here and understanding about the, the joy and the hope of heaven. Romans 8, I want to go there real quick. Romans 8, chapter, uh, verses 18 And I can't go too much because I don't want to start taking off of the going off and not doing a, a semi-decent job of laying a foundation. But in, in Romans chapter 8, it's actually seven verses long. But he's talking about, and, and here's kind of even funny, it says, from suffering to glory. Well, again, what's glory? It's when we're in, with Christ. It's when we're with God. That's glorious. The, this here, the Bible says that, you know, the, we're... we're you know, just flesh and blood, but someday we're going to be clothed with immortality. And we're going to be clothed with glory. And so it says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now listen to these scriptures. Listen as we read these. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, not just soul. Do you know that when we are with God forever, we will have a body? Did you know that the spirit of man never existed outside of a body? God, in the beginning, he made Adam out of the dust of the earth. And what did he do? He breathed the spirit into him. Man, mortal body, has never existed outside of a body. Not our spirit in God created our spirit inside of a body. When we live forever and eternity, we're going to have bodies. I don't know what they're going to look like. They're glorified. I don't think that, and I believe from the scriptures that I read that you'll be able to recognize one another. It doesn't mean that you'll necessarily look the way you, because I believe we'll all be beautiful beyond, beyond compare. But it won't be because we have the right nose or the chin or the cheekbones or the hair or the eyes. We're going to be beautiful because of the glory of God. An amazing created body. So, so those of you in my boat who, who, who are less attractive than others, thank God we get a new body and we're going to be beautiful one day. Amen? It's, we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We're waiting in hope, persevering. There's got to be something more. And there is. It's glorious. We have a hope that far outweighs all of the struggles, all of this, 
all of this that we're in. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope. The hope is of a future. It's, it's of a life forever with God. That's our hope. It's not based on how much I can achieve or how much I can do. It's a hope of being with him. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. There was a, when Shan and I and the kids, we lived in, in Guatemala, there was a couple of really amazing blessings and benefits of living there. We were close to some other countries, and everything was very poor there. But we had to renew. We had to leave the country every six months. We had to renew our visa every three months. One, we could go to the city, which was not a fun trip, to renew it at three months. And then three months later, we had to, we had to leave the country. Well, to fly home would be astronomically expensive. So we would just take trips to neighboring countries and stay for a day or two just long enough to give a, a new stamp so we could go back and continue to work in Guatemala. So one of the trips that we took, we went to Belize. But now to get to Belize, we, 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 we couldn't fly there. In fact, where we went, there wasn't even a big airport. We had to drive across Guatemala, and then we had to take a, a boat. But it wasn't a big boat. It was like a big motorboat. In fact, the motor was in the back. And there was about 25 of us in there, so it was like one of those big, you know, through the ocean, over to, a, to a, another spot, which was, I think, Puerto Barrios. And, and it was a rough, rough ride. I mean, there were a couple people who threw up on the trip. I mean, we get to the other side, and we had to take a little plane. We're in a third world country renting a little plane. On dirt runways, and then we get we get we get picked up in. It was really funny because now we're in Belize and we we've had to take a boat and a and a crazy plane and of course the the car ride was was crazy. And we finally get to Belize and, and we get picked up in a taxi and it was really funny because Belize they're, they're, they're black people, and they speak Creole. And so he picks us up, and it was like a 1970 Cadillac, and like a lowrider. And this is our custom transportation to get to, to our destination. And I've, I've got a video, actually, of the plane ride somewhere. Um, we've, we've, we finally get to, to the place, and somebody told us about this. And it's just a little cabana, but it's about 25 steps to the water's edge. I mean, I've never... I mean, in California, if you were that close, you'd just get blown away by a, by a wave. I mean, and I, just, I, I got out and went, one, two, and 25 steps. And the water was like 80 degrees, and it was crystal... It was that blue that you've seen. Oh, I forgot to say, you know, it's the Caribbean. Belize is on the Caribbean. And it's, and it's just like in the movies and in the pictures. I mean, the water's amazing... And the, and, and the waves are, I mean, that's a wave. Did you miss it? And, and it just, it's just beautiful, beautiful. The way we live is, is like thinking that the boat ride and the plane ride and the taxi ride were the highlight of the trip. We, we live not thinking about the destination. 
How foolish. There is a destination that's beyond words. First Corinthians chapter 15. This, this section, verses 12 through 19, talks about that Christ is risen from the dead. It was dealing with a teaching that, that was saying that Christ, there was no resurrection of the dead. That this was all there was. And so he's refuting that. And I love, I love verse 19. If in this life, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. If there's no hope in the resurrection of life forever, then we're, we're wasting our time. We should be pitied beyond all others. Paul says it. This isn't me. This is Paul. Because our hope is not here. Our hope is in what's waiting for us, the gloriousness of it. I mean, the things that we know of heaven are amazing. And it's waiting for those who believe. We have a hope. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about some of these things and we'll get into more depth. We don't know how long we'll take. We'll, we'll go as slow or as fast as we need to. If I'm going too slow, you can send me an email saying go faster. I'm going too fast, send me an email saying go, go slower. But we want to lay a foundation of what is heaven. What's, you know, that's, if that's our hope, we should know about it. So we can help other people understand what's waiting for us. But here's some quick things. And we'll go into more detail over the next few weeks. Heaven's a place where Jesus our Savior is. That enough. That should be enough. He's there. God is there. Heaven is an ample place. In my Father's house are many mansions. There's plenty of room. Heaven's a better place. Heaven's an ideal place. I mean, ideal. How many times? We've, we've said, oh, this is ideal. And they go, oh, well, I wish there was this. And I wish there was this. Heaven is an ideal place. Remember, Jesus praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done on, in heaven completely. The believer will receive an, an inheritance. It's a place of inheritance. We don't just get eternal life. We, we also get other things. Crowns and Heaven's going to be a place of praise. It's a place of beauty and splendor and glory. Heaven is a joyful place. Who could use some joy? Amen. Those are just some, some, some things. Heaven is a real destination. It's to be in the presence of God forever. It's not just kind of ethereal. There's things we're going to learn about it. And, and think of your best, best day ever. Say, and this, I've had some really amazing days. And heaven is more glorious and better. Even creation. This whole world we live in is under a curse. And the curse is going to remain here until after the millennial reign of Christ. And if this world is cursed, and think of some of the amazing places you've been or seen photos of, and you say this actual world is not the way God intended it to be, not just people. But the whole creation, I believe, is under a curse. What's heaven going to be like without any curse? Father, this is a monumental study and task that we want to just at least dip our toes into, God.
to just get a, a better understanding of heaven, Father. But the first part needs to change for us, God, that we would begin to set our hope and our affections on, on heaven, on eternal life with you. God, because in this world we, we are surrounded by so many things that are vying for attention and leading us astray. God, help us to really see the hope of heaven. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. Thanks for joining us. Don't miss any of the next few weeks as we discover this exciting project today. God bless you.